0: Looks like I'll be taking the I'll be taking charge of the North County meetup that we run here. Oh, really? Yeah, had I mean, no clue about that. That's what I've been told that's by awesome. the two of you. It,
1: it, is this a hostile
0: takeover? <laughs> uh, it it won't be until... more like a
2: surrender. I think it's more like <laughs> a surrender, John.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't get hostile until the third or fourth beer.
2: You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, Episode 7, recorded Sunday, April 24th, 2016. Today, we talk about establishing your value as a developer, why password encryption is important, finding, attending, and contributing to local meetups. I also want to take a moment and apologize. Um, we experienced some technical issues this past week with our audio recording. And we had to pull the stream off a live video feed. So the quality of the stream is, let's just say, not optimal. But let's be honest, we're PHP Ugly. The bar is set pretty low to begin with. Hey, Tom.
0: Hey, Eric. How's it going? Good.
2: Hey, John. Hey, what's going on? You're back, huh? For now. You decided to join us for another show. (laughs)
0: Like a
2: bad penny. <laughs> as long as you have <laughs> me, I guess. <laughs> you know, oh, so you're gonna make this a regular thing? We're gonna have to change our uh, our hangout address then.
1: Until you kick me out, how about that? <laughs> until your until your cable modem blows up. Pretty much. No, I told you when you had the idea that I wanted to be a part of it, but I had to wait until I had my new house with the my own office, so oh, I had correct. a space where I could talk to you
2: yeah you're a needy individual but how how was everybody's week oh it was stressful
0: pretty, pretty good <laughs> week for me uh yeah definitely definitely stressful definitely had a lot of stuff going on but uh
2: What's, what what could possibly be stressful john you you start what was stressful about your week
1: Same as always just tons of work to be done and little time to do it in
2: Oh. That's a good stress to have.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's good stress, I guess. It's still stressful. Always worrying (laughs) about things needing to be
0: done.
2: Never enough time in the day, you know?
0: That is true. Getting microphones working, trying to get things recording
2: can
0: be very stressful. (laughs) on.
1: On a Sunday night, yes. During the rest of the week, just constant work. Some of us don't have time to yeah. kick our feet up and watch lyric cast during
2: our day. Hey, hey, hey. So so much, so much so that we <laughs> added
0: as a topic of what do you do with your downtimes? <laughs> yes, there's downtime. Sometimes there's downtime. I don't see why this is my fault. I got a
2: big old mosquito. I got a mosquito in my in my office. I got a skeeter. There's a Skeeter in my office.
0: So we get to watch while Eric drunkenly bats at his computer <laughs> hardware. <laughs> get out of here, Skeeter. Well, I was going to say that the, the, one of the interesting things for me was, was doing some salary negotiations. And it's something I haven't done in a while. Some, and it's something that I'm just inherently not good at. Um, you know, how do you determine your value and then how do you express that to people? who give you money.
1: <laughs> Start high, go low. Start high, meet somewhere in the middle.
0: It is, it's a tough thing. I mean, you know, as, as a developer, I don't want to move into the management space at all because I'm just not great with people, but I still have to manage myself and figure out how to present myself as, as an asset to an employer and say, here's what I think I'm worth and, you know, not be embarrassed by over assumptions or whatever it would be. I mean, you know, it, it's a lot like imposter syndrome.
2: No, um, but no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have imposter syndrome, you have, you, you have to come up with a way to validate what you're proposing and you have to understand what fair market value is. The one thing about being a remote developer, like we are is even fair market value is challenging because to say a developer in a developer who lives in San Diego gets paid x is a little different when you're a remote developer because if you're a remote developer you kind of lose the privilege of having some sort of geographical location Right, you're not on San
0: Diego prices. You're on whatever prices of where you're getting the job at. Right,
1: it, right. it depends. It depends on the person hiring you. Um, I've been at places where they take where you're living into consideration. Supposedly, they employers want to pay you as little as possible. You want to make as much as possible. And there's a middle ground. Somewhere,
0: yeah, and and that's one of the issues I have trouble with is that you know when I'm dealing with my boss, I'm dealing with somebody that I'm friends with, and um, you know that person has to walk that tightrope of hey, this person is worth a lot of money. Also, we don't want to pay him as much money as he wants. You know, no one, no company is paying the employee what they want unless they're in charge of the company, really.
2: Right. Well, Um, I I think about. But work and you know money the f- the friendship aspect kind of gets thrown out the door uh, i mean you're you're there on the basis of the what you bring to the table for, for the company and I think every everybody needs to know that you, you need to understand that as far as you know your friend goes who's who's your supervisor and he has to understand that as far as you go as his developer that that friendship, the only thing that friendship does is it, it kind of validates the underlying person you are. I, I think I know who you are a little better than I may a straight up employee because, uh, you know, I I I have that personal relationship. But yeah. again, that 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 factors in probably very little when it comes to business.
1: And or business should. is business, usually, and you make that clear with that person, like it's that's just the way it is
2: you're
1: you have a job to do, you want to do it well, but you also want to be paid for your time
0: yeah i mean so, it's, it's a balancing act, and I think there there are definitely problems with people who are bad at self representation you know they're they're in this situation i mean, I could easily understand after after basically five days of salary negotiation stuff going on how having a manager to deal with your finances on a per-project basis can be really, really nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so let me ask, how do you, and this goes out to both you guys, um, obviously we have a a sense of what we're worth. Um, Sometimes it's easier for us to validate. I mean, one of the nice things about being a true consultant is, you know, the next person who wants to hire you, if you're working, well, there's your market value at that point, right? It's like client B wants to come in, you're working for client A. Well, client A is paying me X. Are you going to pay me Y? And then, you know, it, it, it becomes a little easier to to set that that rate as long as you're working, I mean, that's the key. But when you're an employee, when you're an employee of a company, how do you validate your, uh, your, your worth, I guess would be the yeah. question.
0: See, now, but, I've, yeah. I've built this aura of, of value around myself that, that true or not, if it's, you know, actually value, but I've found myself approached by people to work for them as opposed to seeking out employers um, for the last mm, ten years or so, so things have been sort of just presented to me. They haven't asked me for a whole lot of information on what I'm looking for. They've just presented what they've got, and if that's going to fit or not.
1: Um, that's that's kind of the the boat I've been in for a long time too, and I made a forced change back in 2004. And at the at the time, I probably could have made a lot more, but was too afraid to go look for it. I didn't want to go look for an employer. So I had somebody approach me, and kind of very similar. I kind of took what they were willing to give me, not wanting to go looking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and looking <laughs> is terrifying. Looking for jobs is is this weird personal experience where you have to prove your value to people who you've never met before and you have to say I'm as good as that or I'm better than that and interviews are first dates they're terrible you know Mm -hmm. my best interview is still awful I've had great interviews where I walked out thinking damn I just nailed it and things were perfect but it was still an unpleasant experience you know Uh, so
1: have you guys ever had an issue where you were making X and you found a a coworker was making more than you, and how did you handle that, or did you handle? Yeah, it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did find that that has happened to me in the past, and it's weird. I have worked, um, well, it, it, so what's really bizarre is I've I've worked for union shops before. When uh, when I, I lived back east, I was I was part of a union shop. And uh, that was bizarre because you knew what everybody else was making. There was a there was a published pay scale. You knew if this person was in this position for this many years, this is how much they made. And I don't know. It, it kind of it kind of lifted that mystique from from you know. Okay, am I making as much as he is? Should I be making more? Because it, it, that that whole question was w- removed if you've been here for three years, you're in this position, you're making this much money. Um, And and I've been in a position, I I worked for a fortune 500 company, fortune, probably fortune 100 company, (laughs) but I I worked for a pretty big enterprise in which uh, when you're yearly. So you, you, you first you did these self reviews, right? Where you had to do a, a yearly review on yourself and explain and it was basically I always felt like I, I was like uh, pleading for my job again or, <laughs> or, or kind of going through the interview process again where um, I have to highlight everything I had done in the previous year, what value I brought to the company and all this other stuff but more importantly is if I was asking for more money, which typically you're doing because it was your yearly review, you had to do this research on you know what the market value was for your position, uh, you know, how how many years you'd been doing it and justify your your pay increase. And it was a lot of work, man. I tell you, it was a lot of work. Um, But, you know, you would still get in situations where you found out somebody was making more money. And sometimes it just boils down to that, you know, they're better at negotiating than you are.
0: See, and, and I think the company should have to do basically the same thing for you. I, I, what does... Is... The company bringing to your, ta- you know, your table is the company providing the things you need on an annual basis. Um,
2: yes, it doesn't, doesn't really work like that, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it should. I mean, you know, there's, there's in the dot-com world, there's a lot of concern about whether or not the employees are happy with the company and stuff like that. And I think the way you find out is by surveying your employees. And I haven't been to a company where they actually want to know if the employees are happy. Well,
2: and that that's funny because in that situation, I always thought that, especially management, and even at that time, I, I was I was lower in, I guess considered middle management, but I was I, I worked my way into the a uh, manager role, but I always felt that the people under me should be reviewing me, and I should be view, reviewing my manager, and he should be reviewing his manager, you know, for those yearly reviews. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be evaluating myself.
0: But, right. Uh, because no one's going to identify themselves as the, the wrench in the gears, you know, they're right. going to have to identify upward. You know, I just, it's funny. I,
2: I just heard on a podcast, and I am, I'm struggling to remember where, where I've heard it, but they talked about the whole demystification of salaries and how uh, in in companies, especially bigger companies, but just about every company it's considered so taboo to talk about your salary and that the, the company they had worked with had lifted that veil and said, no, everybody can talk about their salaries. We want, we want to make sure there are no secrets because what they, what they learned was that there was uh, these uh, fake, um, resentment being built up because somebody just suspected somebody was making more money or, you know, they thought that their manager was making this, uh, making so much more money than than they might have been. And so they actually had lifted this, uh, this gag order. And they even said, it's like, you know, we've done a research. You actually can't have a gag order in place for for employee salaries. There's there's this whole thing where people say, "Oh yeah, our policy is you're not allowed to talk about your salary." Apparently, there are labor laws that say, "No, you you can't." That can't be a policy. I don't know. I haven't done the research, but I'm just going off this podcast. Uh, they said, you know, essentially, a that cannot be a policy. That's that's kind of an urban legend. Um, and B, you don't even want it there because everybody knowing what everybody makes makes for a, a lot less stress in the work environment. Yeah, I, I think, think that's an article
1: I've shared with you, actually, it, saying that very same thing. It's as an employer, you're not allowed to tell your employees not to talk about salary. But growing up, that's the way I always acted. I didn't talk about salary because I didn't want one, if I was making more than somebody else, I didn't want to make them feel bad. And two, I didn't want to find out if somebody was making more than me because I didn't want to feel bad. Exactly. <laughs> I,
0: I mean, for sure. I didn't want to feel cheap. Sure, one of the ways we assign personal worth is how much we're getting paid. And, and I think that that's kind of a bad habit to be in. The, I don't think that the amount of money that you make really has anything to do with your worth. I think it has to do with how good you are at at debating your value and and fighting for the money that you feel you've earned no not with mm-hmm.
1: me no no i get that it makes sense <laughs> i my my experience was recent it was just a couple of years ago as a full-time contractor for a company i felt i was making good You know, I made this big move based on the money I was making. And this person that I helped get hired just decided to tell me what they're making. I I wasn't expecting it. I didn't ask, didn't care. And they they shared with me. And to this day, it still kind of eats at me. It's like, really? You know, I (laughs) I don't make near that. The only reason I would make as much as that person on an annual basis is because I put in more hours. And right. it's not a not a good feeling.
2: And, I mean, full full, dis- full disclosure, you know, obviously, so we, we've talked a lot about Diego Dev in the past, and John is my business partner in Diego Dev. So I, I've never mentioned his uh, – I don't think I've mentioned his name before. But, yeah, not, but we've talked about forgot.
0: his salary before. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's funny because, you know, we're now on the other end of that. And, obviously, we're not going to openly – you know, share everybody's salary, but we're constantly having the conversation to make sure everybody is on par with everybody else, including us. Uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty tight race within our, our organization as far as how much people are making between each other, and it's it's a constant conversation that we have uh, because you know there are people that that you know are with us longer, that we feel bring more value to the, to the table. And we want to make sure that we compensate them accordingly, but at the same time, you know, that there, there's never that big of a, of a difference between, you know, developer A and developer B. And, and it's a, it's a discussion we have. And it's funny because we end up in these situations where there's a snowball where we say, okay, well, we, you know, we think it's time to do a bump and we'll we'll end up bumping everybody. Uh, sort of thing so it's because we want to
1: pump one person because they because of the value they're bringing in or something they've done and it's like well if we do it for them then we kind of pump everybody
2: yeah so it's it's been an interesting experience and, and clearly I mean there there's a, a much larger impact to us because it's money that you know is going out for us so it's not like this' know this huge corporation where it's just like this money train that, that rolls by and we just grab as much <laughs> off of it as we want. <laughs> yeah, it, it's you a know, serious I conversation
0: we have. Corporations. Those <laughs> those big corporations just feeding off the money train.
2: So, <laughs> so it, it's
1: fun, it's funny I've I've had previous employers that have told me that, you know paying people its money directly out of their pocket. And at the time you're like, well it's the business. Now as yeah. a business owner, you're like, yeah, every dollar that I pay that person as a dollar out of my pocket. <laughs>
0: See, that yeah. just gives me the warm fuzzies. <laughs> I know, I know yeah. the, harder, but, the harder I work, the but, more you do suffer. But in,
1: but that's just the the brutal reality. It's the way it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: and uh, and again, talking about value. I mean, we're you know we're constantly trying to come up with the best solution on. You know how we we apply a value to our developers um, and it's it's led to some interesting conversations between John and I
0: this is a topic that that I think is important because I've seen a lot of PHP developers who still amazingly enough clear text store their passwords and other vital uh, account information for their customers and the idea of why you would encrypt a password if you're the one decrypting it. So I, I want to talk about why you would encrypt your passwords, because it, it is important. Um, and I was recently hit with a very large scale attack. Uh, my company was actually covered in Forbes magazine, or at least on their online edition, uh, after this, this hack had occurred where passwords were leaked. Um, And this was an old system that was no longer in use, but still had customer data. And we were encrypting the passwords with what at the time was a good encryption schema, but just is no longer. Um, And John, I know you've given plenty of talks about the password hash algorithm in PHP and and how to use that and stuff. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that, the vector for attack is what matters and it's it's easy to get it's far easier to get database dumps from a website than it is to get an encryption key if you're storing it somewhere in your software mm. so whether whether or not your your site gets compromised adding that layer of encryption is preventing that data from getting out just from one extra step, which is all you need in many cases, that extra step is going to put a lot of stopping power on basic hacks. Uh, do you have anything to say about uh, your your password encryption history or nightmares or anything like that?
1: Similar nightmares. To you haven't been the victim of SQL injection, where they get a copy of your database is super scary. Uh, so in that case, they don't have your key. So it makes it, if you have your all your data encrypted, you're not fine per se, but you're much better off than you were if you're storing it in, in plain text. Yeah. Uh, and I-, my, <laughs> I think the talk that you're referencing, I went into various ways of storing your key, but that's, kind of an advanced topic and beyond the scope of what you're talking about right it's just yeah not that people get your data in plain text where it's just a free-for-all
0: yeah and and that free-for-all runs real quick i mean it's 50 bucks for a few thousand passwords on the the hacker forums and it's it can it can run rampant on your customers, and I think as developers we have an obligation to our customers and our clients to keep their data secure, to keep their information private. Um, you know, I haven't seen a lot of legislation that says that we have that obligation legally, but I think uh, there will be cases in the future that that see companies being held accountable for misstoring data
1: yeah and until people get used to using a password program to have different passwords on each site it's amazing the number of people that use the same password across everything from their email account to their bank account to everything else yeah. so I, I've had that issue sorry not to, I didn't mean to cut you off there Eric but I've had that little websites where you're like nobody's going to attack my site and if they do who cares but somebody on your site is going to use the same password they're using on their bank site.
2: That's yeah. exactly correct. Yeah. And, and Rebecca, um, my wife uh, still struggles with the idea that I tell her, I literally do not know the passwords on the websites I log into, nor do I want to know them because if I, if I'm able to memorize them, then they're a bad password. Uh, and I mean, that's not even to get into start talking about two-factor yet um you know she can't my parents can't a lot of my friends can't understand the practice of using these other programs to manage our passwords much less requiring a whole nother piece of equipment for authentication um but that's really where you need to be it yeah, took me I mean, the- years to get my wife
1: to use uh, the password program that i was you know, to, to secure the
0: passwords that we had. I think the people that don't understand why you would use a program like this are the ones who are going to find out why. Right. You know, it, right. It, Well, it, and we struggle with it, though, because, like, our bank account, you know, I, I
2: obviously want to throw a super complex password that can't be memorized at our bank account, and the wife who manages most of our funds... Doesn't want that for obvious reasons, or bank. the reality of it is that if I did do it, she would have it in a clipboard somewhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where do you bank again? <laughs> I'm sure I'll start guessing a, a now, username here.
0: That seems like a crazy <laughs> question, but that's actually a really interesting question. Is the way that these password thefts are escalated is that passwords come with email addresses. When you've got someone's password, you've also got their email address, and email is the Considered the safe central location to send password resets and password reminders and stuff like that. So once somebody has access to your email account, which is the first place they'll go, then they'll start seeing all the services you're signed up for, and they'll start issuing password reset requests to those services. So uh, one of my absolute favorite features, and I I have put this in as a feature
2: request to uh, LastPass, which is the password system that that I use if you want to go try to hack it and get get my passwords but one of the I still pay to this day I pay for a Yahoo email address it's I forget how much it is now it's like 20 bucks a year or something and the reason I pay for it is because it allows me to create these uh, secure emails on the fly that aren't associated to the primary email so it's not like Google where I'm just doing a you know, my name plus whatever I want to put in there at my address, and it's easy to figure out what my real address is. This is a completely different email address from my Yahoo email address. It allows me to create ali- you know, not, well, I guess they would be considered aliases, but unique email addresses for security purposes. So a lot of the sites that I log into, unless I vetted them out for years, a lot of the sites I log into will have a unique email address that is specific to that site, as well as a unique password, obviously. And I had done that way back in the day when I was trying to figure out who was spamming me or where, where I was getting my spam email from. And so each site would have a different, uh, a different email address. And then I, I realized what a benefit that was from a security perspective uh, because, yeah, just what you said, Thomas, it's like, you know, now if if you do happen to get my email address from one site, you don't have it on another site because it's a completely different email address.
0: Right. Uh, it, it just prevents that extra, <laughs> extra angle of attack.
1: So you're trying to get LastPass to implement something similar? Is it that we meant yes. by?
2: Yeah. So it, it, and I, I've pitched it to him several times now. Where it would just kind it would be almost like a um, like the password generator where it would just generate a random string for for a, an email domain that they manage and they would associate it to your account and all they would do is forward the email to your account uh, that they have on record. But um, but yeah, they, 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 they're not buying it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a million dollar idea. Million dollars. It is, man. I, I I think it's a very important aspect of uh, security.
0: Yeah, I, I, the the email as a security identifier thing in general is just a terrible idea, and I, I, we need to find some way to get away from that. But, yeah, but it's uh, better yeah.
2: than it's better than username. Sure. Yeah, but
1: I'm sure someone like LastPass doesn't want to be responsible for your email either. Yeah. If something I, happens I, with their servers and and they don't get it to you.
0: Yeah, I can that's see a, that. That's there. a pain in the ass. Yeah, the whole thing is messy, you know, it's I, I hate the analogy, but it's really a house of cards when the entire infrastructure of the internet is now built on this one standard, which is email and password. And people to the to the point where it's now monetized, people want your email address because the number of email addresses they have is <clears throat> directly related to their market value. You know when Facebook was getting its initial valuation, it was based off of how many unique email addresses were logged in at any given time and how many email addresses were visiting ads that they displayed and you know we've we've become this identifier token
1: which is just crazy because anyone that owns a domain knows you can have a billion email addresses for nothing
2: right, yeah oh so hey. Guess what? Chicken butt. We have a We have a Laravel meetup this week.
0: We do have a Laravel meetup this week, but there's actually other meetup news. Um, what? Yeah, as as our frequent listeners know, I'm I'm uh, co-runner, assistant runner of the SDPHP meetup, and uh, looks like I'll be taking the I'll be taking charge of the North County meetup that we run here. Oh, really? Yeah had no I mean, clue about that. That's what I've been told that's by awesome. the two of you. It, it, is this a hostile takeover? <laughs> uh, it, it won't be until... More like a
2: surrender. I think it's more like a <laughs> surrender, John.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't get hostile until the third or fourth beer. And then it starts to get aggressive. That
2: is, that, is, that is a fact, actually. You will be taking more of the lead for the North County San Diego PHP user group so congratulations
0: yeah. thank you and you know I, I think one of my goals is immediately going to be starting to figure out what it is that people come to the user group for and trying to cater to that more
2: so you're um, going to be you're going to be disappointed when you find out it's John and I yeah they just come
0: <laughs> just sit in the audience and stare at me while I stumble over presentations <laughs> Yeah, well, that's,
2: and there's
0: a reason. Go ahead.
1: John. That's that. That's the hard part is finding out what people want to be there for. You know, there's yeah. there's meetups that we have where we're like, we're gonna knock it out of the park. We're gonna have forty, fifty people there, and you get ten, and vice versa. You're gonna have a what you think is a dog where you're gonna get fifteen, and all of a sudden you got thirty five. It's like. I have no clue why there's no rhyme or reason to who shows up when sometimes.
0: Yeah. And we've, we've fussed around with moving the day around, moving the time around, making sure people don't have to deal with traffic and stuff like that. And, and, it's there's, really, and there's free food in there. Come on now. Yeah. It really, yeah. it's, it can be very difficult to figure out what is or isn't making your meetup popular. Um yeah. And, and we've had trouble just in the past trying to find meetups that are relevant to our, our interests.
2: Uh, Well, so we struggle, right? We had this conversation uh, a while back and we struggle with it with the Laravel meetup group. We struggle more with it with the PHP with groups is you have the split of complete f- new people who want to understand what PHP is, want to learn how to use it, and you have this uh, group of advanced or not even advanced, just PHP developers looking to advance their skill set and wanting to dive into deeper topics and trying to find that balance. Now, in the Laravel group, we we try to reduce that impact by having two presentations, uh, a meetup. Um, and, you know, ideally, one of them is, is geared for beginners and one gets a little bit into deeper topic. Maybe that's a solution- you look at for your north county php meetup but it's always been one of the bigger challenges i saw with with our meetups is trying to find subject matters that keep the the entire spectrum interested in coming
0: yeah which which can be really hard you know we have developers coming in who have been in the industry for 20 years and they've started using php recently and want to see the group we have people who come in you know, after their shift at Starbucks and want to get into developing with PHP and have never done any development before, and then we get it people who've been developing with PHP for you know fifteen years or so, and they want something advanced about the newest uh, technology out there and the cutting edge and <clears throat> what's everyone using to send smss through automated systems and things like that so it is is definitely well, really difficult. I- and as an organizer, you want to accommodate everybody. You know, you
2: want to bring those new people into PHP. You you want to lead them down the path. You want to be able to give the more advanced topics to the more advanced uh, developers. It's just tough. It's, it's tough, man. I tell you, I, my anybody out there who runs any sort of developer community, obviously PHP's close to my heart, but any of them. I mean they, they, they have my respect because it's it's a thankless job. I mean
0: I, you know, intend it, multiple you multiple of these meetups. You've you've been to Python Ruby and dot net meetups as well, haven't you?
2: Not that net, let's not get crazy. But yes, Python, Ruby, <laughs> uh, AWS, uh, I, I go through I go to a few of them, yeah.
1: Not religiously but, but go to them, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Not religiously, but I, I attend.
1: Yeah, the hard part, again, is finding people that are rational enough to speak. And we try our hardest to tell people you do not have to be an expert in the subject matter. There have been a number of times I've g- given a presentation where Thomas has just made me look like a fool.
0: <laughs> that's, pure, that's not hard to do. That's, yeah, that's incidental. But. Yeah.
2: But we have to. We have given presentations where I've been like, "Oh yeah, I did this last week. I saw a tutorial. I, I did this. I thought it was cool. Let me show it to you." And it's really, I, I have absolutely no expertise in it, no understanding of what the hell I was doing. Not even, you know, one hundred percent why everything worked. Uh, just kind of this is a cool new thing. Let me share it. And you try to express that to people. It's like, look, you guys are all doing this. Just. Come up here and talk about it,
0: and you know yeah. that's actually my favorite part of many of our presentations is we get to the end and it becomes an open conversation about what is this technology, why are we using it and, and is anyone here using it to an effect that they'd want to show off um, mm-hmm. you know the the presentations tend to devolve when the the presenter is not the most informed, and that that is my favorite part when it turns into. Hey, there are other people it, here who have a perspective that they want to give.
1: But it's not devolve in a bad way. It's not making the presenter look bad or feel bad or anything like oh, that. No. It's no. it's asking questions where hopefully the presenter is honest enough to say, you know, I really I haven't gotten to that part or I don't know that piece. You know, I used it this way, and oftentimes there's somebody at the meetup that has used it that knows that part but doesn't know the part the presenter's speaking about, and it leads to great presentations that way. And, and I often through, so those many times, moments, yeah, through those moments, yeah, through those moments, I learn more than.
0: <laughs> Go on, girls. I, I was gonna say through
1: it's through those moments in my presentations that I love because I learned more than I got there. Or I went there with.
0: Yeah, there's Your a lot turn. of times. There's a lot of times where I hear some, you know, the presenter learning something from somebody in the audience and saying, "Oh, that's really cool." And that's yeah, that's a great that's moment so for someone running a meetup because you you're seeing everybody learning, not just the the boring slideshow presentation that you could have at your Monday morning meeting. So I think what we're saying is if you're listening to this
2: show and you have a meetup in your area, attend, offer to do a talk. If you don't have a meetup, take on the challenge, start your meetup. Get people out there talking and start building the community. It's, it's. I, I say it's actually, a thankless they, job, but
1: yeah, I was gonna say you don't have to get people out there talking. Just start it. Uh, when I was trying to start the one in here in SDPHP, I got advice from other meetup uh, uh, organizers saying, your first few, you're not gonna have anybody show up. Just keep showing up to the same location over and over again, even if you're the only person there eventually you'll get one you'll start a a small conversation and from there it'll just start to blossom
2: and always you guys can always reach out to any of us if you if you need some advice Uh, our twitter handles will be in the post so we said that you're taking over north county or you're taking more of the lead in north county again john and i are going to continue to stay involved that that's not going to change uh but there's a reason why we we've stepped back a little bit because for all you PHP developers downtown, um, we're going to continue to have meetings downtown on a monthly basis, which brings back an interesting question. Are you going to have North County monthly? Or are you going to keep it at, at every other month?
0: You know, that's a decision I haven't made yet. Um, and I think, I think monthly actually might be the way to go for attendance sake. Um having it
2: it's just... e- it's easier, I think. Yeah. You know, I think it's easier but... for the people attending to know whatever day of the month it is as as is, is meeting uh meeting night. So so yeah, the, downtown on, downtown to stop asking
0: the venue. People. <laughs> yeah, your uh, downtown should... people Sorry, are gonna man. get monthly meetings again. Now see this is the first uh <laughs> this is the first recording that we're live streaming. Uh so I want to give our chat room uh here the the option to ask a question. So
2: is anybody even watching?
0: Uh we've we got Of course we
2: announced it. We one announced question. it in all of our, our media, right?
0: Uh, negative. Did, did you post it? No. <laughs> you didn't post it? <laughs> of course not. Oh, good God, you are terrible at this. I know. I'm I'm off to a really strong start. Uh okay. That question, you're going to have to ask my mother personally. I do not get involved in her life in that way. Oh, geez. So we're just going to skip over that question. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition of PHP Ugly. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are, are we going to ramble on anymore? Or? I think that's no. a good spot. Done. <laughs> I've, been, I've been Thomas Rideout. I'm Eric Van Johnson. And I'm John Gongden. Thanks for listening. Bye. Peace.
2: Thank you for listening to the PHP Ugly podcast. PHP Ugly can be found on Twitter at phpugly. You can also follow the host, Tom Rideout, on Twitter at Real Rideout, John Congdon on Twitter at John Congdon. And myself, Eric Van Johnson, on Twitter at Shocom. That's spelled S-H-O-C-M. Notes and links from this episode can be found on GitHub at github.com forward slash
0: ugly